Welcome to the Bible Preacher, where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I am Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, in America's finest and only institute of higher education in the Buddhist tradition, uh, Naropa University. And we are in the season of Advent. We've had guests on in the season of Advent. And today we have guests too. We're talking to Jason and Tuhina, who have a special Advent project. Very special. Hashtag, I know, special. It sounds like a Christmas special, doesn't it? Very special Christmas episode. Very special uh, season. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag shut the hell up. So welcome. Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher. Thank you. It's a very Thank professional you. podcast. Thank you very much. We expect you to be. Love it. Bring your ultimate professionalism. It smells of rich mm. mahogany. Mm. People know y'all. You're Do kind they? Of a people, big deal. people? Yeah. It's at least two people. At least yeah. two people. Yeah, because we're here, right? Tuhina right. and I know That's... about you. <laughs> so tell us about um, Shut the Hell Up. Where I know it started last year, uh, but I'll let you get, you, you all tell the story. Um, Tell us about this. How did it begin? What is it? What is this thing? I'm on my Facebook. I'm in my Facebook feed. I'm scrolling past all the news that is just enraging me today and also some cute baby pictures. And here it comes up. Hashtag shut the hell up. What am I looking at? For what, me, what it's related to what the baby this? pictures. That's what I, that's what I, that's what, <laughs> after a year, I just decided to stop posting them because shut the hell up. So what is your hashtag shut the hell up? What is it? What am I looking at when that shows up on my social media feed? So the internet happened. You're the storyteller. You're the storyteller in this little thing. And then after the internet happened, uh, decolonized Lutheranism happened. And then after, I feel like it's the days of creation and then after decolonized lutheranism happened um we were doing like a social media schedule and having people post particular things on particular days and um terrence crutcher had been shot by law enforcement it it had come through a string of extrajudicial police killings of black and brown people throughout the course of all of last year, the past couple of years. And it's just kind of, that's when you get to the point of how long, oh Lord, how long? And Jason and I were messaging each other on Facebook. And I had said, Jason, you're responsible for posting this for Decolonize. But um, hey, if the trumpet sounds tomorrow, don't feel bad if you don't get to it. Because it just kind of feels like every day the world is, is ending. So I had sent Jason this psalm from Micah Murray that he had written back in December of 2013 called Rend the Heavens. Sent that to Jason and, and I said, like, I know it's not Advent right now, but this this really resonates with how I'm feeling about what's going on in the world. And then there's nothing going on for a few moments. And then I kind of see like the little dot, dot, dot of Jason typing something. And then the response comes up. Uh, am I allowed to swear? That's what Jason said? No. I don't think Jason's ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just need to check the rating system of what we're working with right now because I need to drop some. Yeah, no, if, if yeah. One, of our, one of our seven listeners is offended, please contact us this week and we will uh, we'll work things out. <laughs> so um, the refrain in Rend the Heavens was fuck this shit. So I see the dot, 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 and then the response comes up, and Jason typed up, 
fuck this shit. Hashtag fuck this shit and Advent devotional. So the refrain in the original poem, Ren the Heavens, is fuck this shit. Gotcha. Yes. And I yeah. type back, let's do it. Yeah. And then it just, what we did, we started this in what, late August, early September? <laughs> So we started putting this together early September about like, how are we going to do this? So we're going to do this Advent devotional called Fuck This Shit. And how are we going to go about it? And we wanted this to be liturgically based. So looking at the RCL and how are we going to keep this in rhythm with the church calendar, with recognizing the anticipation of the coming of Christ, either as a child in the manger or the second coming of Christ. And so we decided to base it off of the daily RCL that's provided by Vanderbilt University. And then we would pick a verse out from the daily lectionary. And then we had to come up with meditative words, which was really kind of interesting because then like, hey, let's crowdsource on Facebook. And I had just kind of innocently posed the question, and I have a lot of followers on Facebook, just asked like, hey, everybody, what's your favorite, what's your favorite swear word? Um, that, and that post last year was like the most commented on post on my Facebook page. And a lot of because, pastors. And a lot of pastors were offering their suggestions of what their favorite swear word was. So we took that, um, and then Jason and I also had to get creative because all the pastors really just said, oh, I really love to drop the F-bomb in the sanctuary. Not all of them, but many of them actually did express that very sentiment. Um, when no one else is in there, though, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. I mean, you never know. Um, so we had to also figure out, like, okay, great. You know, 89 people out of, like, the 94 who responded said, fuck. Um, we need, a, we need, we meet, we use your words, people. We need more words. So it ended up being, like, I think, Jason, I sent you a clip of the King's speech. Yeah, yeah. Of um, of Colin Firth, just like fucking fuck, fuck, you know, just like letting yeah, it all. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like after we saw that clip, we had to figure out, all right, okay, great, what other swear words could we use? And so, like Jesus H Christ. And so we had an interesting conversation over Jesus H Christ because Jason, wasn't that like a swear word for you? Yes. And then we used bloody, but bloody was a swear word for me growing up that I wasn't allowed to use because my parents used, used British English. And uh, so that's the story. That's we, how it, well, anyways, that's how fuck this shit came about. And then, and then we, we, we retooled it this year to try and say something different. We just didn't think we were going to get the same kind of, you know, we, we didn't want to try and make a fuck this shit part two because the sequel's um, always horrible unless the sequels always suck yeah so then we were just like well what else can we say about what the prophets say and the prophetic language within the bible within the hebrew scriptures we we saw the prophets saying fuck this shit and then this year we saw the prophets saying shut the hell up which came from a modern day prophet right who actually told us about shut the hell up so tamika youngsevich is a, uh, a seminarian at the Un- United Lutheran Seminary in Gettysburg. Yeah, fellow podcaster. Yes, yeah. for Collard yeah, Girl. Collard Girl. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Check this shit out. I mean, if we're just going to keep on, you know, shamelessly plugging, they did it. They had a great. Uh, uh, they had a great. Vi- 
fun about their stuff from Onco Selms, and that's also pretty. It's a pretty awesome company. A N K O S. Check that out too. So I've heard. <laughs> so Tamika had said, uh, "What would what would it look like if we we took all this shit that's happening in the world today and we just and we just told it to shut the hell up." And everything that is evil and bad and is against against the holy image of God. What if we just like took that, put it in a nice little package, and put it in the nice lake of sulfur? Fascinating. I have so many thoughts. I don't know which direction to go in. Um, so, and then how did you go about? Did you have a whole lot of like leftover words from last year that then you you put in, or did you start that process over again? How did you come up with the words for this year? Well, Jason has um, way more followers on Facebook than I do. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's true, but we I just put it out again. Like I, I kind of used Tuhina's mark from last year and just asked for kind of a, I did a call for that, for favorite swear words. Um, what I like about this year is we've got some swear words in other languages as well, besides English. So that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah, hopefully Google Translate's going to work okay on that. No, we, no, no, no. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um I know, I know. So, you can shut the hell up, Tuhina. Damn it. No, do you want me to go get my card that says, no, you shut up? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we have plenty of them. We have plenty of words, Matt. Uh, but, you know, I think um, Tuhina is the wordsmith in this partnership. So, both years, she has connected them to, uh, to the RCL and to uh, biblical verses and kind of uh, in a really brilliant way that allows for all the people who uh, are our guest authors and musicians and poets to use that as a springboard. Gotcha. So it's really interesting. So the, so the genesis of this thing comes out of decolonized Lutheranism. You connected it to that right away, um, which I didn't expect. I didn't expect you to go there uh, right off the bat. So how are those, how are these two things related? Like how does, how does that come out of decolonized and what do the two things have to do with each other? Um, they are and they're not. Um, I think just because Jason and I are connected in our work with decolonized that that it just it came up from a conversation and work that we were doing with decolonize and then we just decided hey let's do this advent devotional and it wasn't necessarily part of decolonized lutheranism um then it just ended up being shared by decolonized lutheranism and then a lot of the people who are following what decolonized lutheranism does then kind of like started picking up with the advent devotional as well Gotcha. But it does seem like it's in the, there's a similar spirit at work, right? Um, on the, like, on the one hand, I think part of what you're doing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's not just sort of using profanity for profanity's sake, just like a gimmick, but sort of pushing the boundaries, um, right? Like, like, when you talked about it at first, it was like, well, am I allowed to swear? Well, why are we talking about like what we're allowed to do, right? Like, there seems like there are these false boundaries that get put up, and that that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, and then the the folks that you've chosen to um, share, um, certainly last year, and then um, excited to see where it goes this year. But um, a lot of a lot of voices that maybe we haven't heard from before, um, and that seems like it's a piece of it as well. Is that does that sound? Um, well, I think it's just there's there's so much that feels restricting in the world of the institutional church. Um, you know, even me asking, like, can I swear? Like, is this permissible? And 
there are aspects of our life that I wish we didn't have to ask for permission to not have to compartmentalize who we are as broken children of God. Um, and I realized that when, um, particularly when my dad died, that like the only prayers that I could think of were really fuck this shit. Like that was the only thing that I could actually say to God at that immediate point. And like, you know, having a Lutheran pastor in the house while my Hindu dad died on top of it and having him get it, like, you know what, that's actually your prayer right now. Um, like if, if there's nothing else, if that is the only thing that you have, then God can take that. And that God's not going to turn God's back on you because these are the words you have for God. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's definitely not a gimmick in terms of, um, you know, kind of the tagline that we came up with was, I mean, to convey a visceral gospel, you have to sometimes use visceral language. You know, as Lutherans, uh, we connect with a, with a very broken, complex person named Martin Luther, who definitely used harsh language. Um, Speak for yourself. Okay, I will. Um, that, uh, what was it? It was uh, um, what, our professor at LSTC, Kurt Hendel, he said, uh, Martin Luther wouldn't call a spade a spade if you could call it a goddamn shit shovel. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that's a piece of it, too, that the other thing that Suheen and I were trying to do was connect with people outside of the church. So especially last year, not so much this year, when people come at us for this, um, you know, one of my consistent replies is, well, it's not for you. You have all these different Advent devotionals that you can choose from. Um, we're talking to people who this is their language. This is how they talk. And in the same way that, you know, Peter couldn't imagine in Acts chapter 10 that this, this food that was always considered um, unclean all of a sudden has now become clean because God said it. I think in the same way, there are people who use that kind of language. Not all the time. I don't get up in front of, for my children's sermon and say, what's up, fuckers? I mean, I don't always use that language. Most but, of the time. But, you know, <laughs> but I think there is a big I think there's a big deal to say, hey, the way that you look, the way that you act, the way that you talk, who you love, all of that is accepted in, in God's kingdom. You know, God's God's commonwealth. Well, and I think like we also live under a reign of pure tyranny. Thanks, Puritans. That's um, a that's a Tuhino word. That, that you should every time you tyranny. You should pure tyranny. It's say the tyranny. Of yeah, yeah. It comes uh. up. Yeah. So I call it pure tyranny. That we live in an we we live in a country of pure tyranny. We live in a country that like you know we can't we can't openly talk about a multitude of things, and that we have power washed and sanitized scripture. And that like, you know, it's kind of like verse on verse combat that we can take these verses and not really get to fully figure out what they mean with the with the realization that, you know, reading the Hebrew prophets, I mean, like, my God, reading Ezekiel, reading Jeremiah um, and like opening the door for lamentation, because I think another aspect of pure tyranny is that we have to feel a certain way in order to be accepted in the institutional church. We're not allowed to be, we're allowed to be sad when people die or like when bad things happen, but we are not allowed to overtly <laughs> lament, even though that is biblical. Yeah, and like Tuhina said before, and at the very beginning, right, am I allowed to swear? Tuhina and I did this as not part of anything, as part of our own, I mean, I, I, I've, you know, I created a, an online uh, Christian community, um, but even, it wasn't even a part of that. So we're just like, you know, we're online, we're on social media, 
we don't have to ask for permission, and so we we just did it. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that last year you said that you had started in like August, uh, and I remember I, I think you were like previewing it. It was like a teaser trailer early on in the fall, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't know if I could. If I can put that on my social media, but it's pretty interesting. Right. And then, and then November eighth happened, and I was like, "Fuck it, <laughs> it's just done." Uh, and so it was really prescient, right? Because I think that it, it pushed a lot of us, I think, to to need something like that. So, um, so thank you for that. One of the things that I noticed this year, and I don't know if this is maybe it was true last year too, but um, it seems like there's even more mixed media. Like you've already had a video um, today. It was uh, the two of you talking on SoundCloud. It's more than uh, written blog posts, but you've got a lot of different uh, media. Is that intentional? Is that going to continue? Uh, what should we what should we expect? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we definitely did. It was Tuhina's idea this morning. Um, to do that, uh, uh, we had to kind of uh, we had to kind of uh, think on think quickly on our feet to come up with something today. So she thought, well, let's just talk about it and put it up on SoundCloud. Uh, we have you know we have artists. We, we have a, a musician who's dropping something tomorrow, uh, uh, an original song. I think we've always been trying to do that. I mean, that's kind of where the playlist idea came out of too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like last year, we commissioned um, Addie Nims, um, an uh, abstract painter, an abstract artist who created art along with us that we had given her the prompts and that she had created these amazing original pieces <laughs> along with last year's prompts. And so this year we I think like, you know, part of it was, you know, we we did the video. We kind of like did we did the trailer. Um, we kind of did an explanation of like why we're doing what we're doing again. But yeah, like we wanted to make it as multi multi sensory as possible, and as many ways that people could participate that they felt called to participate. Yeah, especially in a world where um, there are a lot of people who are now doing kind of Advent and Lent, uh, word a day kind of things. Um, we really wanted this to be a digital discipline in a lot of different ways, uh-huh. so that it wasn't just um, day one hope, day two joy. Um, <laughs> We wanted to be like, how can, how can we enter into, how can we give people the space and the opportunity to enter into a fully digital discipline um, that hits on a lot of different um, media and different ways of learning and all that. And interact with one another. Um, because I think one of the things about like the photo a day or some of the other hashtag disciplines is that it's very one-sided that you're, you know, you, you kind of have this list of prompts and then you take a picture and then you put it online. But where's kind of like the engagement and the interaction and like really the community building and the conversation in the midst of that? Why, uh, why Advent? I think there's some obvious like resonance, right? But like, why not Easter tide or Epiphany or ordinary time, just like a ultra marathon style? Ordinary time. Oof. <laughs> Look out. It's extraordinary, okay? Not that's so right, ordinary right, time right. now. I mean, I don't know. I think you know, the Advent thing came out because of Terrence Crutcher and because of kind of our timeline. I would say, for me personally, I think Lent is overdone. And, I mean, I, actually, it's an interesting thing, Zach, about it, maybe Epiphany or Easter Tide. Those are some good thoughts. Um, but I think Advent, like, theologically, this sort of time of, of, of expectation and waiting and sort of for me uh the 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 rend the heavens piece the isaiah 60 like tear open the heavens and come down oh god 
um, to me, it just has this sense of like prophetic uh, breaking through, you know? And the concept of birth pangs, waiting for something new to come about, waiting for waiting for a new world to be born, that this is Christian hope. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, I like I think the starkness of it to move out of ordinary time into it is a is a is a nice way of beginning the new liturgical year, you know, with a, a bang, sort of. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I, I wonder kind of behind the scenes, your big picture thinking, because the text right during during Advent move from some of my favorites, which are like the apocalyptic stuff, but then they move, they, they start that there is some movement, I think, right towards towards Christmas with something so stark, or maybe stark's not the right word, but so that feels so resonant with those early readings of, of, of Advent. What, what, are, what is your thought process as you move it uh, and arrange things and move it closer to uh, Christmas? I think paying attention to that rhythm of that we're not in Advent forever, you know, and that it does get us prepared for the coming of Christ and recognizing that there is immense hope in this vulnerability that is coming um, and not just to be like, fuck everybody, burn the world down. Not it's, just that, also some other things. <laughs> yeah, it's not just that, but that's a big piece of it. <laughs> um, I think, too, it's like, uh, you know, just, I mean, uh, we're talking with four Lutheran pastors right now. Um, we know what it's like to uh, Christmas is, is so kind of lonely you're by yourself nobody has come because you don't have church on christmas uh no oh. zach but cool no that was cool. now it's not like uh christmas like overshadows advent in such a strong way and you know a lot of christians who don't even know what advent means or what it, what it's about and so i like uh i mean the rhythm is good like like tuhina said we're not in advent forever and, and at the same time we are still in advent like we're an advent people mm-hmm Go ahead, Tina. Sorry. Well, I think Advent is, for me, it's the liturgical season that actually really reflects where we are as Christian people. That we are, you know, we're listening to this intense prophecy of like, really, oh my God, what are we supposed to do with this? And this, is, this sounds really intense. Um, that things are things like burning wheat from chaff or like things are just, you know, somebody's going to come down from the clouds. Like, what do you mean? Oh my God. Um, but then it kind of What's like, What's so wrong with goats. They have milk. Nothing wrong with goats. Exactly. <laughs> I little, mean like little chevry. It's lovely. Cheese too. I apologize. But I think it's like taking the verses and taking the words and reflecting that movement of it's not just the, unveiling and like the present day understanding of you know like there's all this muddled language around what apocalypse means um in present day and realizing that we're moving from like things are continually going to be unveiled particularly in the season of advent and so i think part of the movement is to really represent that unveiling like the second coming of christ but also realizing that we are moving into Christmas time in the midst of all of this as well. And so it's not all just going to be like freakish lamentation, that there is hope and that there is joy expressed in the midst of this, but it's also complicated. You know, the the thing that occurs to me that I really like about uh, Shut the Hell Up is the movement towards, I think there's some built in, just with the idea of calling for, for silence, in a sense, uh, moving 
to Christmas, one of the ideas that I've been uh, really enjoying playing with over the past co couple years in thinking about Christmas and Easter in particular, uh, my favorite thing to say about Easter these days uh, is that Jesus doesn't come to church on Easter in any of the Gospels, right? My brother goes to church on Easter who only comes when my mom makes him, but Jesus doesn't bother to show up. The tomb is always empty. And, and I think there's an echo of that at Christmas, that the gift uh, that is coming to us is actually a void. It's an empty tomb. Uh, it's the absence of something. I like it. I like yeah. that movement. Yeah, and the gift is given to homeless shepherds living in shit, and it's given to, you know, uh, a baby out of wedlock, or at the time, you know, a pregnant woman, and there's no room in the inn. I mean, these stories that we hear all the time, but uh, the way that a lot of people talk about Jesus, you think that he would have been born in the silk-laden halls of Rome, and not in this backwards... Constantinople. Outpost. Yeah, or Istanbul, not Constantinople. I'm sorry, yes, of course, all those things. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that I like about the, the theme this year, as we're moving into this uh, liturgical year of Mark, is that one of Mark's central verses is binding the strong man, right? And so this idea of shut the hell up is, a, is a, it's almost an echo of that. It's a, It rhymes with it, right? Mark, it's it's great. And just that Mark has a lot of, I mean, this isn't great for our Lutheran years. We're going to talk about it a lot, but there's a lot of stories of Jesus shutting up the demons. Um, it's all over the place in Mark. And so I think that's a big piece of it, too. So a slight left turn here uh, into this, since we started talking about the the Bible, the scriptures, the texts. Um, Quick, quick left turn into um, we're on what the third Sunday of Advent in our Vinyl Preacher series. Zach, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, and so we started with these two uh, gospels from Mark, and now all of a sudden we took this turn into John temporarily. Yeah, why uh, do we always have to go to John? What is I know I'm really irritated. I thought you would redeem it for me, but you're equally upset. No. I'm hanging up now. It's been great. Oh no. <laughs> Are you, Tina, you don't like John either? We're not fans. I just, actually, Mark's my favorite gospel. Yeah. It's yeah. my absolute favorite gospel because if the disciples don't get it, then that means I have a hope and a prayer. Yeah, but I mean, just but factually based, like, Mark is just the best gospel. Like, that's just a fact. It's <laughs> just a fact. Matthew really grew on us this year, I think. It's got some good singles. Matthew's got some good singles. The multicultural so gospel. Double album. We're in John 1, 6 to 8, 19 to 28. Uh, we get John the Baptist. Um, so that's fun. Uh, there's this weird stuff about John coming as a witness to testify to the light, which is actually kind of interesting because the word for witness there is martyr. Um, mm. That's right. Like that's good. that could bear some fruit. Um, that's good. And what else? What else did I want to say about that? Just that. Um, and then uh, we get one of our favorite things from John, you know, the Jews. And I don't mean the orange the juice. juice. Not the uh, orange juice in Calcutta. Not the orange juice. You know what uh, Kurt Hendel said, that if Luther couldn't just call the Jews the Jews, if he could call them much oh, more horrible. Sorry. No, sorry. Oh, that was much more horrible things. Much more. Oh, Mark Luther. Mm. It's well, the 500th anniversary, guys. So let's celebrate that. <laughs> I know. Well, I thought this was, there's like this little, um, there's this back and forth dialogue between these uh, investigators from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, not in the news at all. Uh, no shitstorm going on there uh, today. But there's some investigators that come and uh, basically grill John. There's like this interrogation uh, of John, and he gives some really interesting, evasive answers. Um, so that's kind of an interesting scene, as problematic as it is. Um, it's an interrogation, and that, that makes it interesting to me. 
Um, what else happens here? So you, Matt, you oh, got some like honor yeah. shame stuff going on with the interrogation. So like yeah. you could read it, and I think if we read it with our like. I don't know, cultural eyes. Uh, we're like, oh, look how humble John is. He's not going to claim like, or he's, he's holding back, you know, uh, but, but it was, it was, it was considered quite shameful, right? To claim honor for yourself. It was the only thing that could be given to you by others. Right. So, right. We'll often hear the response where they're like, people are asking Jesus who he is. And he's like, well, who do you say that I am? Because that's what actually matters. What other people, who it matters most within the society to what other people say about who you are. That's where your honor comes from so he's got a he can't right he's ham strung uh he could not even if john were to know exactly what he's doing what he's about he couldn't say yeah and that's just i mean what we get the we get the messianic secret from mark right don't we the what Probably. or the messianic you know, the, <laughs> yeah right that's good thank you you're welcome so i just it's just a who Every do you say week. that i am thing is yeah. is like it's just an interesting dichotomy. And that's yeah. actually what every systematics class should be teaching. Like, like that should just be the basis for systematic theology. Who do you say that I am when we talk about the person of Jesus? Is it done? Well, and John's answer is, um, <laughs> this, like, who are, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. And so that, like, I put a slash mark through there because you have the I am, which always am. brings out through the gospel. The right? I but he says, I am. Not. <laughs> I am. I am who I am. Not. I don't know. But like, yeah. right? I want to see this like back out now. Like, <laughs> right? It's all in how you deliver those lines. Oh, we got the misquote of Isaiah too, right? I'm the what voice. Do you mean? Of, like the comma should be, "I'm the voice of one crying out." Comma in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Why are we even reading this text, Matt? This is. I don't know. This is exactly Redeem what we it. read last week. Like it's you do it again. Like the, John the Baptist misquotes Isaiah in Mark two, right? That's what we read last week. Come on, Vanderbilt. Repetition is the mother of all knowledge. So, um, so what do you do? So what, what do you do when you get this uh, passage from John? Uh, when you're not a big fan of John, what do we do with it? Can we I redeem like, it? I'll tell you the redeeming line for me, Matt. Yeah. I don't know if it redeems, but the but what I like here is that John's answer to them. Uh, eventually, right, is uh, among you stands one whom you do not know, right? That oh. the one who's coming is the one is already among you, but you do not know. I think that's, you could do, I mean, I think that's the that's the place to go uh, preaching-wise, uh, exploring. That's, that's what I circled right what? here. What? Oh, I my gosh. And I put, oh, we I should. This all it. It's great, isn't it? It's almost Man. like we talk every week about preaching. Yes. That's a great line, though. Among you stands one whom you do not know. I feel like that could bear some fruit for preaching. Who's who is among us that we do not? Where is the one among us that we do not that we do not know? And take that, push that, push that in some directions. That yeah. uh, you know, I had a really good conversation uh, at at lunch this week. Tahina, I've, I've stolen all the good things from Clemson, so I eat in the dining hall once a week because. It means I get free because lunch. That's, that's every what campus week. pastors do. That's what you, you get do. Lunch, you get your ministry done, you know. Exactly, all at once. Uh, and I was leaving from there to go to another coffee, and a student, uh, tongue in cheek, said, I was like, I gotta go talk to this person. They're like, oh, they got a real sob story for you to hear? Uh, <laughs> 
which was hilarious and appropriate from the person from whose mouth it came. Uh, but it opened up a little bit of conversation, the realization of being in the, the business and practice of sitting down and having all of these, like working in coffee shops and having coffee with folks, the humility that it, that it takes to not know what's going to happen when you sit down for a coffee, even with someone who you know well, right, that this may be the time when they decide that they're going to drop something super heavy or like uh, most of the time, or at least initially, as I lived into the role of pastor, it was incredibly depressing and disappointing. The surprising stuff was, was more about revealing like the deep capacity for brokenness that we as humans hold. And, and I think I'm, I'm starting to move out of that. Like that is not surprising and, and it's just a part of life now, but more openness, more openness to engaging and recognizing that I may not know these people who I actually, who I think I know well. It was not a sob story. No, I okay. think uh, kind of, you know, how knowing is, that's Gnostic, right? Gnosticism is knowing, and this one, agnostic, doesn't know. And I've just been describing myself as an agnostic lately, an agnostic Lutheran. But I think there's a lot of humility, especially for me as a, as a you know, tetero white guy. Yeah, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. That, that doesn't go back necessarily to the among you stands one whom you do not know, because I don't think that's lifting that's uh that's actually decrying ignorance of not knowing um but there is that piece of what if it's humility. what if it's me right what if i'm the one i don't know because i think that's the biggest assumption we make right is that we know who we are right i love yeah. the oh my gosh so i'm a i'm a martin marty fan and he is always quoting this dude who i forget and in, because in, he has this really constructive way of dealing with like the horribleness of our past to you know i want to confess uh on behalf of my ancestors, that we are we are the the pure the pure tyrannizers. My eleven times great grandfather was the Reverend Paris in the witch trials. Yeah, for real, right? So what what do you oh. like? So the 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 question that like that Marty brings up right is, what do you do with that knowledge, right? And the the guy whose name I can't remember who he points to always says that like the question should be, what do you do now that you know that you are capable of such things? Yeah. So maybe it's who are you? Maybe. Wow. What a radical statement to make when it says who are you like seven times. You know, I feel like I want to cue Gautier's somebody that I used to know. Somebody that I used to know. Nice. 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 Wow. Good. Yeah. It's um, no, it's actually I mean, if we're going to be anecdotal about this, let me chime in. So I, I work as a young adult mentor um, for uh, recipients of Form for Theological Exploration grants. And I had a conversation with a mentee this morning who was wrapping up her project. And I was kind of like asking her about like the genesis of like how how she feels about like now that she's writing her report, now that everything is done. And she had said, I really thought that my work would be about making the church and the world a better place. But I realized that I have to really get to know myself in the midst of being a pastoral leader. Yeah. And I said like, you know, all the work that you've done, it's, you know, you have done amazing work, but like, and you think that you may have an answer today but know that your answer may change for who, who you are and where you're at in the midst of your ministry. But yeah, she had just said that it was really this process of unveiling and coming to know um, that she had these expectations when she first started her grant study and that at the end of her grant study, something entirely new and different has just been revealed to her about who she is as a leader in the church. As we work with students wrestling, trying to determine, uh, to discern 
things like call and vocation, all that kind of crap. I think one of the reasons that like people have such a negative experience with, with like career services and, and those inventories and stuff is that all of those inventories are based on the assumption that you have some idea about who you are and have some self-knowledge. And so like we've got a, a big program and, and all that kind of stuff to help people do discernment work. But we've come to the place of, of, of recognizing that it's a success if we can help someone just grow in self-knowledge a bit. You're not going to be able to figure out what to do with your life if you don't know who you are. And just to help people a little bit further down that road is the best thing we can do for them. So then what happens as the body of Christ if we ask of one another, who do you say that I am? Yeah. Yeah, if we're gonna if, if we're gonna ask if Jesus is asking it of us, then, then then we as the body of Christ should ask it of each other. That's good. We have to, right? I mean, that's the I mean, that's the real like I mean, it's a really countercultural thing to get at the heart of what's happening here with John. And when when Jesus does it and says, "Who am I?" Right? They, I, I don't think they're being facetious, right? That what they're that that at their best, they're modeling what it's like to not have a say like in who you like that, that, that there's an emptiness to it um that what matters most is is what jesus has done in order for you what 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 you call jesus because of what jesus has done not because of who jesus thinks jesus is right like sometimes it's really sexy to get <laughs> this is the least sexy thing i can think of actually right to walk down the road of of did jesus know who he was you know um well, if, we are, if we're talking the messianic secret, then who knows? Exactly. <laughs> right. That's real. Yeah. 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 What if Jesus really uh, doesn't? I love that. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, man. Um, I need to shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> I really love the resurrected Jesus when he's talking to the disciples on Emmaus and Luke. What if he's not like playing games and like literally doesn't know who he is and what has happened? What if Jesus sincerely wants to know who he is and that we have a say in that? What? <laughs> well, that sense of um, those questions about who you are and the the self reflection, um, all that. I mean, it it changes over time, right? Like where where I was at the end of seminary is very different from um, from all of the rethinking that I'm doing after six years of serving this congregation in South Central LA, right? Um, so so our sense of ourselves shifts over time too and uh matt used to, to super be in really the u2 but now used to hates him can't stand him and hates, things, hates all irish people it's really something things some things don't change but i also uh to make a really smooth transition the playlists that i used to look for in advent i used to like the you know give me some of those minor key folk songs like that's that's what I was looking for in Advent. And I'm just, no, I don't, I don't need it anymore. I need something else. I need something else. Like, for example, an Advent playlist that starts with Depeche Mode. What? Yes. Tell us. Tell us yes. That. Why? What? Depeche Mode. Oh, it's so good. Like, I didn't even, so I didn't, I couldn't place the title with the song until I hit play. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this song. So why, uh, why start up the playlist with Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode? Shut the hell up. <laughs> For me, like, so that's actually, that was my selection because I just, I, I freaking love Depeche Mode. Why? It, part of it is, okay, so I, a lot of my musical taste is actually absorbed from my older brother. So he's seven years older than I am. So he is the one who like got me my first cassette when I was six of U2's The Joshua Tree. Yeah. Matt has never heard that album. He'll have to listen to that. <laughs> that was good. 
Um, so, and my brother is really into music, like really into music. And so he started coming home with, and he was working as a DJ in like this kind of like indoor amusement park in Denver called Funplex way back in the day. And so he would, he would get these CDs from BMG for a penny. And so he came for a penny, right. As long as you bought two at regular price, but didn't pyramid scheme with your friends. Or if you were under 18 and a contract is not legally binding and you could just back out of it. (laughs) I feel like the FBI is going to arrest me for me. Messianic secret about CD clubs. (laughs) Just bleeding that part out. (laughs) So he comes home with Depeche Mode. And this is also when we first got cable TV. And I saw the music video for Enjoy the Silence. I don't know if y'all have seen the music video. No. no, no. <laughs> okay, so what's like, a, this what's is a music why video? I shut the hell up because it's multi-sensory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like back when MTV used to play music videos. Like 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 it was a music television station? Like Right. right. And yeah. I could just park in front of there for like hours on end and just like yeah. see these images paired with song. And like for me, um, I am still just really transfixed by the music video of Enjoy the Silence. And so it's the lead singer of Depeche Mode who's walking around in like this vel this red velvet cape and he's wearing a crown and he's just walking around the countryside with a folding chair and like this sounds kind of like big country's music video for big country but it's not (laughs) the only big country i know played for the uh the vancouver grizzlies (laughs) and so there's something profound about like this solitary movement and taking time to like sit and watch and reflect and be, um, and then realizing the words of, of enjoy the silence of that. We live in this mad world of cacophony and what does it mean to actually like all I've ever wanted, all I've ever needed is here in my arms. Words are very unnecessary. They can only do harm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the music, I mean, it sounds like when I mean, you can dance to it, right? Like it's a, it sounds like you're in a nightclub, like it's enjoy the silence. Oh, and yet it is in the midst, right? It says what? He's hot, man. He's Who hot. says I don't in my living room? <laughs> <laughs> well, totally. I mean, I feel like that's part of the, that's part of what makes it so, such an interesting choice, right? Because you got, yeah, this message of enjoy the silence. And yet the sound uh, places you in this unexpected place, right? So, Yeah. So that that is what led to Depeche Mode opening it up. Yeah, you also have, and I think if I'm reading Spotify right, uh, to you know also put this in a playlist, a song by the Sweatshop Boys. Oh, Sweatshop Boys! You're so good. Okay, I don't know if you know that I like the Sweatshop. I did not. I I saw them uh, at Coachella in a little tent. Because I heard that they would be Matt good. goes to Coachella, and they were that was. Did you like that? Was like a humble brag right there. Yeah, yeah. But that, but they like they managed to be really like it was like really good hip hop had this really like sense of social justice rage, and yet they were wickedly funny. Like it was hilarious. Like the words were hilarious. And so like uh, so, why did you choose this song? Why T five? Why do you like them? Why this song? So I picked T five. Part of it is because of personal experience of me having to fly through airports and be randomly selected, even though I sold my soul to the double for TSA. 
Yeah. So like, even though I have TSA pre-check, yep. st- like, ma'am, we're going to need yep. you to step aside. Um, yeah. So that's, that's part of the reality of my life, but also of like, do we, do we even know who we're asking to step aside? Um, do we even really know the entirety of who that person is because we're just judging them based on their beard, their turban, their look, their brownness, but then, Hey, that might be the Messiah. There is one among you that you do not know. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a really big part of picking T5 and also immigration. (laughs) Please. An Advent song. Who knew? So what else is on this playlist? Um, Jason's got a, I, I think you added this, a Childish Gambino song. Yeah. But from one of his older albums. It is. Yeah. Um, song Outside. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I picked it because of kind of how he he's naming sort of growing up and, um, you know, kind of what does it mean to be black in America? And, uh, and so, you know, I was thinking of it in terms of, because one big thing that Tuhina and I had talked about that our initial video talked about, um, explaining shut the hell up was, you know, Tuhina played herself and I played a white boy who wouldn't shut up, um, (laughs) in my own journey of anti-racism and anti-racist work and, and other things I've, I've just become more, I think, hopefully I become better at listening and I haven't always had something to say. And, um, and so Childish Gambino or that song specifically just kind of, it shuts me up because I'm like, shit, how many times do I not really recognize her or how many times do I think I know what it, what it means to be black in America and when I never will, yeah. even though I, you know, when I'm doing anti-racist work, but I still get caught up in white savior mentality. So it was kind of, um, it was a song that shut me up, so I, I threw it on there. Yeah. I was glad to hear it. I had not heard that before. I've listened so much to his newer album, but not uh, not to that one. So oh, it's, it's, old, that. it's very old. That's old. Yeah. Yeah. Matt's as old as two his picks. Yeah. Well, you've got, so you got, um, you also have a, an echo. So it's called Enjoy the Silence. It says Martin Al Gore. What is it? It's like, but it's a completely different sound. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Track. That's not- what is That's, that? Uh, Eric Whitaker. So Eric Whitaker is, uh, you know, a, a composer. And so he, he loved Enjoy the Silence, not as much as Tuhina, I don't think. <laughs> but he loved it. He, he adored it. And so he put it to choral music. So it's the same so, song, just set yeah. to... Because I kept listening to it, like, it's got to be the same song, but it was so hard. Like, it's so different. It's Yeah, it's like two and a half minutes before you even recognize it. I played it for Tuhina. And I just, I was so floored. Like, I I was like, play it again. Play it again. <laughs> uh, it takes a long time, though, for you to realize what it is. Like Jesus among there's us. One, there's one, yeah. there's a song playing among you that you do not know. <laughs> right? Totally. Thank, thank God well, for Siri. There... <laughs> Siri, what the hell is this? <laughs> Is there anything else on this playlist that you'd want to lift up? What else in here is really exciting to you that you uh, want to make sure that we listen to? Well, for me, I would say it's, it's Ben Harper's Oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a song I, I learned back when, remember Darfur in the Sudan? When that was going on, I was introduced to this song. And it just, like, because what Ben Harper does in it is he sings to Oppression. So he's, he's 
he's directing his comments to oppression. It just, uh, it's just, it's, it's really intense. So like, I mean, one piece of it, you may have the dollar on your side, but from the gospel truth, you cannot hide. And I don't see how you sleep. I mean, so I, for me, it was sort of like, it was kind of a rage against the machine, but with this down home Texas boy with his guitar. And so, I mean, that's one I would lift up and it's, it's just, it's very unique and very, uh, uh, it just names a lot of truth in like a two and a half minute song. It's really good. So I would really want to lift up, um, Miss Shirley Bassey and the propeller heads. <laughs> history repeating. Um, so every Tuesday, every Tuesday and Friday morning, um, I meet with, um, I meet with like a healer to kind of that whole self-care thing that you're supposed to be doing this past year as well. Apparently I actually really need to do it. Never heard of it. Is it on the wellness wheel? So she grew up in a, she grew up in a Sikh Hindu household and she is, um, she's Indian ethnicity but Fijian, her family's from Fiji, and then born and raised in the States. And so she has this amazing spirituality about her. Um, and she knows that I'm a Lutheran pastor. And she had asked me one day in the midst of our time together, she had said, um, so when Jesus comes back, how are you going to know? And I was like, I didn't uh, uh, have an answer for you. I, and I really had to think about it because it's like, shit. I would probably not know. I would, I would actually have to outright say, I would probably not know. Like I would pray to God that, you know, the spirit would have scales fall from my eyes, my heart of stone cracked open that I would know, but also knowing who I am, I wouldn't know. Um, and I also think within the season of Advent, you know, it's all just a little bit of history repeating. And I know, so Shirley Bassey, did she do the James Bond song? She did like forever ago. Yeah. yeah. She, and so like, I don't know, like if you realize how long she let, she like held that last note in Goldfinger, yeah. like in the intro, like, because that is an epic time to hold a note, even if you like, and, and when you have a powerful voice at that, but like she held it for like almost what felt like an eternity. And here and, like, she is singing. Yeah. Like, you know, also kind of trained, like you can kind of like take like a pause breath and just keep going. But like, she just held it. So she's a phenomenal singer, been around for a while, and here she's singing with uh, propeller heads. Like also you do. Also unexpected, like you do. <laughs> well, I love it. Thank you for uh, putting out this unexpected uh, yet awesome playlist. Uh, it's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Zach. Mm-hmm. Zach, you want to throw anything else out there um, as we do wrap we wanna, up? Do we want to make a playlist thoughts? this week? I have two songs um, for the playlist. You have two songs? All right, add some, add, add some songs. All right, Matt. First of got? all, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. No? Uh, well, if you don't know me by now, uh, you will never, <laughs> never, never know me. Uh, what a good song, Classic. right? Mm-hmm. You don't know me by now. Oh, oh. Then, this is super entertaining mm. to watch this happen. Then, uh, Matt, I'm going, uh, uh, I mean, you could clearly, you could do the who here, who are you? It's been done. We've done it. Yeah. I'm going to go with a song called uh, You Don't Know Me by Ben Folds featuring Regina Spector off of Ooh. his uh, 2008 little mini release there. It's just lovely. I mean, Ben Folds, really super, like, maybe underappreciated. 
maybe underappreciated for his like he's just so incredibly talented as a musician. Ben Folds is? Ben Folds as a pianist. Is he still around? Yeah, I saw him in concert not long ago, and it's just super impressive. Uh, well, I was going to throw out there, uh, because there's a Depeche Mode song on here, a Depeche Mode cover by Johnny Cash mm. on one of his later albums. He did a cover of Personal Jesus. Oh, yeah. Which is just That's fantastic. fantastic. And when John the Baptist shows up like a prophet in the wilderness, uh, Johnny Cash is one of those prophets in the wilderness voices, right? One of these Old Testament voices. Um, so to hear that voice singing uh, a Depeche Mode song. Sweet. I uh, a quick update, Matt. Quick update. Uh, I talked about on the podcast a a while back about doing some work restoring, getting my uh, my uh, my record player, my console record player, up and going. Uh, It's working. It sounds lovely. Uh, The fun thing is, so I got this like really cool like 1964 Westinghouse uh, console stereo with a record player for like seventy five dollars from this guy who inherited it from his grandmother and didn't know what he had. In addition to uh, getting the really cool record player. It came with all of his grandma's records, uh, which mostly is terrible, uh, but she has like every Johnny Cash album ever. (laughs) And just like none of the good ones, right? Like there is is, like Folsom uh, Folsom Prison Blues as the album, uh, or live from Folsom Prison. But then it's like Johnny Cash sings about uh, uh, Veterans Day. Johnny Cash does Groundhog Day. All of like the the, the holiday albums and stuff. Um, so I'm getting to listen to those. It's fan- it's it's really amazing. And we just had awesome. on the podcast a niece of uh, a cousin of Johnny Cash. Fantastic. Um, well, the other the other songs that I would throw out there for uh, this week's gospel text are I'm still obviously listening to this uh, U2 album, but I'm pairing these two songs. Um, they've got Kendrick shows up and does uh, some new Beatitudes, uh, modern day prophet Kendrick Lamar. And uh, the song that he does that on is um, is paired with a song from his album, Damn XXX. Uh, the chorus is the same. They're like these uh, partner songs, but coming from very different uh, musical places. Um, so, yeah, and I had to throw out a song from uh, from that album, Damn, because there it is with a profane title right there on the cover art. Um, it seems like an appropriate album for this uh, Advent devotional. What's the good news, man? Among you stands one whom you do not know. I feel like that's got to be the good news. Ovio. Maybe. Maybe. It's got to be, right? Do y'all have any good news? What's the good news this week? I'm home. <laughs> Somehow we're still here. I think that's good news. Sounds good. Thanks be to God. It's been really fun to watch the sun go down uh, on the video screen for you guys. Like the yeah. progressively darker on the screen. So. <laughs> awesome. Very adventy. We are, yeah, we are in the future. <laughs> well, thank you both so much uh, for taking the time to talk about Shut the Hell Up uh, and to talk about these amazing songs. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. It's been real. Bye. Yeah. It's been real vinyl.